0: We're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, entitled, the series entitled, Go, which means, go. <laughs> and today we're into a really interesting text because it's Luke's, it's Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer and it's, it's quite a bit more condensed, actually. And I'm reminded of Anne Lamont. Anne Lamont, if you've read her, uh, you know what I'm talking about, but uh, she says, if the three prayers you pray regularly are help, thanks, and wow, you've prayed well. And I think also of another uh, spiritual writer, Meister Eckhart, who said, if all you pray is thank you, you have prayed enough. So kind of into the short, winsome natures of the dialogue of prayer, not just our utterances, but waiting to listen for God also to interrupt. So let's go to the text and uh, take a look at the text. It's in Luke Chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. Father... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> wow. Who is this? I, I actually didn't think you were going to show up for a moment there. Uh, not sure what happened. But who is this?
1: Um, you called out to me, didn't you? I bet you didn't see that coming.
0: No, I didn't see that one coming at all. Um, but you know, while I have you here, can I, can I ask you a few questions? Can we dialogue a little bit in front of my friends? Go for it. Okay. God says go for it. Okay. So here, here's the deal. Um, you're a guy? I mean, well, we say, Father, are you, are you a male?
1: Well, actually, I'm not a male nor am I a female. I'm a being beyond those designations. I chose to reveal myself using a male term that was common way, way back then.
0: Well, that, now that's interesting, Lord, because in our current culture today, there's a lot of conversation along the lines of patriarchy and long-term and systemic abuse by really a male-dominated system. How, how, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, you're asking some awful big questions right out of the gate. But know what? I like big questions. The playing field between the Creator, the Son, and the Spirit, it's a level playing field. There's mutual trust, respect and dignity between all three of us.
0: Ah. So men and women are created equal in the image of God just like you as Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit, are also co-equal?
1: Well, yes, just to put it simply.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) So, you know, that brings me to... i got a whole series of questions, so that brings me to another question. When I pray, you know, I've heard people pray... To God, the Creator. I've also heard people pray to Jesus, and on rare occasions I hear people pray to the Spirit. Why is that? Can't we pray to Jesus in the Spirit, or do we always have to address you as the Creator?
1: You sure ask good questions. Thank you. It's a good thing pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. Your question is a hot ground ball to third base. There never is a moment when all three of us are not present even though we might not be named when you pray to the father it comes through the son in the power of the holy spirit do you remember when my son rose lazarus from the dead
0: oh yeah i i remember that story do you do you all remember that story yeah Yeah. great story
1: well it was the holy spirit who raised lazarus from the dead through my son jesus so we might reveal our glory and our power.
0: Ah, okay. I get it a little bit better. At least now, a little. And another question, when we pray to you, other people around the world pray to Allah, are they, are they actually addressing you as well?
1: Another hot grounder. Do you notice that I'm using baseball analogy for you?
0: Yeah, I've noticed.
1: I want to make sure you get it.
0: (laughs) We might be here a while if you're waiting for that.
1: In the Arab-speaking countries where people are Christians, they use the word Allah to mean God in reference to me. For Arab Christians to speak the word Allah, the word for God, they're talking about all of us. On the other hand, traditional Muslims do not pray to a three-in-one God. When they say Allah, they pray to a monolithic God. People in the Muslim tradition have a difficult time, I would say a real difficult time with the Trinity.
0: Well, I guess I don't blame them. I mean, it's hard to wrap our minds around this notion of Trinity, also how you're one God, yet co-equal and co-eternal in three persons. So I understand the difficulty uh, around that question. Um, and let me keep going. Are, are Muslims and Christians then praying to the same God?
1: Why don't we keep our primary focus on the prayer that Jesus gave you as disciples in the Christian tradition and limit the scope of our time together? <laughs> you seem to have a problem keeping things short, you know. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: I've been listening.
0: (laughs) Ouch. I'm telling you, ouch, that one one hurt a little bit.
1: (laughs) Just remember, when you pray to the Father, you are inviting mysterious immensity of all three of us into your life. We really like opening ourselves to you by allowing you to join the conversation. The three of us have been having together for all of eternity.
0: Wait, that was kind of cool. So what you're saying is when we pray, we are entering into a conversation, a divine conversation that the three of you have already been having?
1: You bet. That's exactly what I'm saying. Go on. What's next?
0: Well, the next line in the prayer is, Hallowed be your name.
1: So what do you think this means? And what does it imply? What do you think?
0: Well, I've always thought that it means your name is holy. Holy is your name. And to be holy is to be set apart, to be pure, to be untainted by sin, and carried along through love. And if you're set apart as God, so then we as your community are also set apart to be different. To be unconditional lovers of all people in the face of the chaos of the world at least that's what i was thinking
1: you know what that's pretty good grasshopper
0: (laughs) but what what about people who use holiness your holiness as a club to coerce other people to toe the line when they when they don't when they don't agree with them
1: another great question it's always been attention our holiness Does not stand all alone, nor does our holiness coerce. Coercion cannot coexist with our crazy love. Holiness cannot be abstracted out of the other words that describe us. When this happens, people use holiness to hurt other people. We're really saddened when this happens. It does far more harm than good, and it's not from us.
0: So if I, if I hear you this morning, your holiness is less about judgment and anger and vengeance and right versus wrong, although that's all important, and more rooted in kindness and compassion and mercy and love, because from those things, especially love, flows your holiness.
1: Precisely.
0: And because your primary essence being love, love flows from your kindness and your compassion and your slow to anger. And then we experience your holiness. It's almost like it's an up, upside down way of looking at it versus a really strict and controlling way of looking at it. That, you know, as human beings, we love power, we love control, and that's how we want to view that holiness.
1: Well, yes, the three of us are love. And because we love, we are all of the words used to describe us. This is how we relate to one another and the created world.
0: So you're holy because you're pure love.
1: Exactly.
0: Wow. Well, we better move on. The next line in this simple prayer is your kingdom come, and I think Matthew even adds, on earth as it is in heaven. What does that phrase, your kingdom, really mean? Because we don't use that kind of language all that much in our context today.
1: Well, in your cultural context today, kingdom is primarily political. And this has caused so much confusion.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you. That's why many of us are setting aside the word kingdom and trying to use the word or phrase the realm of God.
1: That is a good modern day translation. Remember when we led Israel out of the wilderness? Do you know the camp song? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. Our intent was to create peoples who would be solely and uniquely committed to me. This group of people, the Israelites of the Old Testament, would show the rest of the world a better way to live. It would be a world centered on love and justice, the common good, creating space for the vulnerable, widowed orphans, aliens, and strangers in your midst. It would be a safe place for all people to live and hospitality would be extended to everyone. That is the nature of our lives together as God.
0: I remember that story coming out of Egypt. Uh, what a great story. And even that song, and that was an interesting <laughs> version uh, that you sang, but I'm not gonna argue with you after all. And Thank you. Yeah. I think I would be wise. So. And I agree with you what you're saying, but but what went wrong with all this? Something obviously went wrong. Then and maybe now?
1: Well, people are people. They like to need to be noticed, and they like power and to be in control. It's really difficult for people to trust me.
0: You know, I, I get that too. It's hard. It's really hard for me to get out of the way of things and let go of control and it's funny as pastors people think we always have the answers all the time Um, but as you know we're talking to you a lot every day because more often than not we we really don't know and we're seeking your wisdom all the way through and so there's an aspect that we have to be comfortable with mystery right and yet our world wants us to be sure and exact through science. I hear you. So tell me, God, tell me more about this realm of God thing and what it means for us today.
1: Well, it's really about my way in the world today. It's about the death and resurrection of my son Jesus. It's about the work of my spirit at the center of the church community. It's about my movement in the world today. It's about countercultural way to live out loud through the community of church that can display the world, love, grace, forgiveness, shalom, justice, neighborless, peace, and common good for all people and for the good of the global environment.
0: So the realm of, if I'm hearing you, the realm of God is is really about getting or bringing heaven on earth and yet still still there's sin in Is is that what you're saying
1: yes the three of us are working in all things good for those who are called according to these purposes the realm of God is here in a spiritual sense and not here in a total and complete transformation persons who lean into this with their heart soul mind and spirit band together to form the church so that the realm of God can be on display to the face of republics, democracies, dictatorships, parliaments, and even the papal system to demonstrate God alive, soaking the world with grace in your midst. Simply, when the realm of God is on display, it lets the world know that it is the world. That's why I'm a missionary God who has a church in the world today. You are that movement with us at the center.
0: Hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's, these are tough words to hear because more often than not, we have the idea that we're a group of people that band together to take care of each other. And while that's true and important, it doesn't sound like that's the ultimate reason that you have for the Israelites before us and now the church to exist. Is, is that what I'm tapping into?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. Taking care of one another is good, but our movement in the world is even more important.
0: And I wonder, I wonder too, out loud, if we even have the notion of salvation correct. I mean, is salvation, what is it? Salvation seems to be less about Jesus handing out tickets to the entrance of a theme park called heaven when we die. It sounds like it's more about getting the up there, down here, on a more regular and transformational basis.
1: That is exactly what we're trying to get across.
0: So it's, God, it's not about minimal entrance requirements. I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this cheap grace. It's more than just making the cut at the threshold of the heavenly gate door when we die. It's getting up there, down here, right now. You're preaching it, man. Preach it. So it sounds, it sounds like you're interested in the reclamation of human life, reclaiming all human life. Is that what you're about?
1: There is a God-shaped void inside of every person that only God, I, can fill. I promise meaning. I promise purpose. I promise identity, significance, and the participation with you in making shalom.
0: So getting this right determines the kind of people we produce, too, as disciples. We're either consumers of religious goods and services, or we're transformed into the realm of God in order to transform culture.
1: Exactly. If you proclaim this mall is at hand, you will produce consumers. If you proclaim TV is at hand, you will produce spectators. If you proclaim the revolution is at hand, you will produce warriors. If you proclaim the gospel is now to get to heaven by doing nothing, you will produce people doing nothing. If you proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, then you proclaim a different kind of salvation that is not just good for the person who has it. It's good news for the poor the orphans and widows, the undocumented and refugee, the mentally ill and lonely, the divorced and brokenhearted.
0: You know, I I think I'm starting to get it now. People who get on board with this realm of God movement, of God and Jesus, they're mobilized, they become empowered, they're unleashed, and they become people who say, here's my time, I'll serve. Here's my money, I'll give. Here's my life, I'll actually care.
1: Pass the plate, bro.
0: <laughs> if we did that, I might. So, God, there's so many questions. There's, it's, it's like everything's being deconstructed, but we better keep going. So the next line in this simple prayer, and imagine all this in the prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. I find it easy on the surface, but the more I drill down, the harder it gets.
1: So what do you mean by that?
0: Well, it's, it's difficult to live in the moment and be mindful is what we call it today. Many, myself included, we like to hold on to the past, and we're also afraid about the future, and there's regret from the past, there's hurt from the past, and there's anxiety about the future, and we're trapped by these two bookends in such a way that we're very unsettled in the present, so it's hard To rest assured that you will give us this day our daily bread, and that's enough.
1: I've noticed, I've noticed that these two are some of your biggest hang ups. Wow.
0: Well, thanks for letting all my friends know this. Um, That's nice. What is this, Pick
1: on Wilson Day in front of everybody? Well, everyone thinks their stuff is so extraordinary. But get over yourself. There really is nothing new that I've not heard before. What can you do about the past? Nothing. Other than learn from it. You are still here, aren't you? Yeah, I am. What can you do about the future? Nothing. It hasn't happened yet. So may I suggest something to you? Live in the hope and faith And let me handle it. It's called a transformed life of faith. Not a small life of resentment, hurt, fear, anxiety, and loneliness. You know,
0: in the church, faith is a word we talk about all the time. But it's really hard to live into it, to wrap our minds around it, to actually be people of faith, so to speak.
1: That's because faith is not a static state or even an event. It's a constant opportunity. The opportunity of faith is a dynamic process. It offers you an opportunity to trust that we're going to do what we said we're going to do. For example, do you have enough to eat today? I
0: have more than enough to eat today.
1: Well, see what I mean? We provided manna and quail in the desert. They had enough. And like the Israelites eating manna and quail, you have enough for today as well. Americans and their capitalism never have enough. There's always more to get, called greed, and keep, called hoarding. Too many of you choked off the opportunity to live by faith and not by sight. Don't you trust us?
0: Please don't make me answer that question.
1: Well, I'm inclined to take that as a no. It's sort of funny. So, so so many of you try to outgod us. In fact, most have more than more, than more enough.
0: OK, God, but there's 90 percent of the
1: world that live on almost a dollar a day. Bingo. I refer you back to the realm of God, being a generous people who trust us for enough so that you will actually be generous until that happens. True transformation in your lives cannot happen in the world.
0: But God, we we live in a really complex world compared to the time this prayer was written. We have mortgage insurance premiums, we have car insurance, we have life insurance, we have disability insurance, we have dental insurance, we have medical insurance. That's just the insurances. On top of that, we need a place to live, all the utilities, HOAs, getting and keeping a job. Honestly, it's a lot of pressure. No wonder folks are anxious.
1: You know, we get it, but we did not create that American dream, you all did. Who said the American dream is my dream? Perhaps spending more time learning from the world about what I delight in will help you sort out what dream is most important, my dream or the American dream. Those things are important, but there are many things to live. And on your list, your list may not be the highest priorities in the realm of God. All people And the earth are the priority in the realm of God.
0: Okay, I have way more questions now. It's like you're deconstructing everything that we thought to be true line by line. And this is a really short (laughs)
1: prayer. Well, that's good. Now you may live more faithfully into the simple truths in this prayer and what they really mean instead of just blowing through them on autopilot like you seem to do every week. They are meant to enlarge your love and the quality of your life, not to diminish your resolve.
0: Hey God, before I forget about it, you really sound like a guy in my church called Roy. And uh, seriously, what's up with that?
1: Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Alright,
0: we're going we're gonna to move on with that one. So the next line in the prayer, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins
1: against us. Do you? Do I what? Forgive everyone who sins against you. Seriously, you want me to answer that now?
0: Can't you and me just have a one-on-one time and have a cup of coffee and do this?
1: It doesn't work that way, my friend.
0: Alrighty then, I'll keep it real. You know, I'd like to think that I've forgiven folks who've hurt me or whom I've hurt or who've offended me or whom I've offended. I had a pretty strict upbringing. And in marriage, there's understandings, misunderstandings, misplaced expectations. Children, well, children are children and they're on a journey too. Things happen. And I know I've been hurt by folks in the church more times than I can count, and I really like to believe I've forgiven them. I think, God, if I'm honest with you right now, the hardest person for me to forgive in my own life is myself.
1: I can help you with that.
0: And I also find that it's difficult to forgive people who ask you for forgiveness or whom you ask for forgiveness and they give you forgiveness, but they call in in the middle of the service, and you can still sense (laughs) that their hurt may still be in play. I I don't don't understand that. It frustrates me. It's hard to get over that. Can you help?
1: Well, that will require some time. The three of us, We need to use everyone and everything we have to work on that one. But you will have to let them carry on in their journey. Remember, their script isn't over yet. Pray for them. Remember, forgiveness is for you. It's a gift of freedom. How
0: how about you? How are you, as Creator, Son, and Spirit, able to forgive
1: so often and totally and freely. Well, that's easy. We delight in that type of love and we don't see you like you see yourself. We see you through the eyes of my son, crucified, resurrected, ascended, and glorified through the Holy Spirit. It is a great celebration for us. It is the work of love and it's called redemption.
0: Yeah, I wish it was that easy for us.
1: That is the point of sanctification. Over the course of your lifetime, it will get easier to forgive and be forgiven.
0: Well, Lord, we better keep moving. The next line in the prayer is, and lead us not into temptation. Now, I have to admit, you've been tough on me a few times here this morning, but it's time to turn the tables. I struggle with this one because if you say that you are all the things you claim to be, Why would we pray this line? I mean, why would you lead us into temptation? Seriously?
1: It's not about leading you into temptation as much as it is leading you to the possibility of transformation.
0: So what I think I hear you saying is that it's not about being led to temptation as much as it is an opportunity to reclaim and reshape us. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's exactly what we're saying.
0: But there's so many things that tempt us. Um, Greed and prejudice and power and lust and fame and addictions. And the list goes on. There's many more.
1: (laughs) That's too short of a list for you.
0: (laughs) Really? Come on, man. Seriously?
1: Uh, I'm going to be serious now. Thank you. We are concerned with each one of you growing as persons and people deeper in the image of myself, of God.
0: So I think I'm tracking on this quite a bit more. You're suggesting that it's about each of us as individuals and all of us as a faith community becoming our true self, our best authentic self as individuals and church, the way that you created us all and each to be. Yes. You know, it sounds great, but it also sounds idealistic and almost utopian.
1: Actually, it's very earthly when you drill down. It's really about the state of your heart, a heart that is your best self. Apart from the pretense, the one that really is, does it bend towards us or towards the enemy? Okay, so it's
0: about me putting on my big boy pants and achieving these things on my own, in my own
1: life? That's what most people think, but it's not quite accurate at all. It's not a moral achievement that you make on your own. It's not a trophy that you put on your shelf. It is the opportunity in every temptation to choose us out of your free will. In each small temptation where you choose us, you build spiritual muscle and that momentum becomes your best true self lived in the trajectory of the realm of God. It's not a moral achievement but a direction you are traveling towards. It is what's happening to you by us. When you surrender and obey, I will reclaim and reshape you.
0: Okay, so this is good. It's not so much our ability to choose you and sanctify ourselves by acquiring purity and holiness and a life of godly character as much as it is to receive the gift of sanctification from you it's the process of becoming more like you when we lean into you in other words you do all the heavy lifting all we do is say yes to you in every single small temptation because those small temptations victoriously overcome they render a life of godly character that shines outward to the world
1: and has something to offer the world finally you're starting to get this now and all from just a few short lines of prayer which leads me to just a couple final ones why do we even need to pray at all It forces you to stop a Sabbath moment, if you will, to listen to us and not to the tempting noises and the drone of the machine of the American dream, to remember our promises and works, miracles, graces offered and extended and received. To embrace us takes time, and you need to stop working to embrace the difference we're trying to make.
0: So are you saying that we really need to retreat into the woods, and nature, and eat kale, and buy a yoga mat to receive this gift?
1: Uh, yes, and no.
0: I hope the no is that we don't have to eat kale, because I don't get that stuff. I don't like It doesn't taste like anything, and I've never, I just don't get it.
1: You have to stop and Listen but you cannot effectively do this somewhere over the rainbow on your own. Martin Luther was very correct in suggesting if all you do is to contemplate your own ideas, you become more imprisoned to yourself than ever before. You get away to get quiet, but at some point, you have to replace your own ideas with the Word, the Word of God written in the Bible, the sacraments, and your faith community.
0: Wow. There's really so much here to chew on, and it's a prayer that could effectually be placed on one slide. It's hard to know where to start, Lord.
1: Well, the three of us are always with you. Prayer is such an important discipline. In the process of becoming your best self, be hopeful, Because I am not going anywhere.
0: Well, thanks for interrupting this morning, God. It was a nice chat. I have one more really important question for you. Are you ready?
1: Go for it.
0: Um, The New England Patriots, the Super Bowl champs, seriously? (laughs) Really? I mean, how about a little extra help for for the angels this year? I mean, they should be close to your heart too, you know.
1: Um let's see what I can do. That's fair
0: enough. Friends, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. The simplicity of the words, the possible profundity of the impact the mystery of the Holy Spirit of God taking the words of Jesus deep into heart, mind, and soul to bring about life, trans- life transformation and the transformation of churches to be a movement in the world called the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, the realm of God, for the glory of God. May it be so. In your strong name we pray. Amen. Those of you that are able, please stand with us for our last song, Everlasting God. right. as you go today, enter into the playfulness of prayer, the winsome nature of prayer, the notion that God, Christ plays in 10,000 places in, with, and through, through prayer, right? And uh, may prayer prayer strengthen you today, tomorrow, and always, and, and look for ways for God to interrupt. God will interrupt if we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Grace, mercy, and peace to all. Amen.